The following sermon is by Dr. Chuck Register, Interim Pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. is going to be used 
uh, for us to be able to uh, take care of some facility issues that need to be addressed in the weeks and months ahead here at Emmanuel. And so instead of, instead of doing any kind of indebtedness, instead of trying to do a capital stewardship campaign, uh, we want to have a one-time offering. We want you to express, as Charlene and I express, thanksgiving unto the Lord. And proceeds from that offering will be used to take care of some very needed items to our physical plant as we move forward in preparation of the arrival of our new pastor. So you begin praying now. How will the Lord lead you and your family to express thanksgiving unto Him in a special offering on Easter Sunday morning? This morning, we're talking about defining moments. Defining moments come to every life, every family, and every church. Defining moments are those moments in life that the decision we make or the action we take not only impacts the present, but they influence the future. Let me see if I can give you some, some examples of defining moments. Think with me about a young man and a young lady who are gathered before their minister to exchange their wedding vows. That is a defining moment. They're there before their family and friends and before the Father, and, and in a moment they'll be saying, I do to one another and unto the Lord, and those two individual lives will become one life in Christ. It is a defining moment. From that day forward, that young man will never win another argument in his life. It impacts the present. It influences the future. Think with me about that same young couple a few years later. They've enjoyed a couple of years of married life, and now they decide to have a baby. They decide to bring into this world a, a young boy or a young girl that the Father blesses them with. The decision to have a baby is a defining moment in life. Those two people who used to sleep through the night and awaken rested will never sleep through the night again when that baby is born. Life changes when a little one comes into the home. Think with me about churches. Churches have defining moments. I would say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that the calling of a new pastor may be the definition of a defining moment in the life of a congregation. In the weeks to come, the months to come, before we know it, it's going to be here. Our pastor search team has been working so faithfully and so diligently. They're going to recommend to us a, a gentleman to be our next pastor, and you will hear that person preach, and, and you will then be asked to cast a vote. And the casting of that vote on that particular candidate will be a defining moment. It will not only impact the present life of Emmanuel Baptist Church, but it will impact the future life of Emmanuel Baptist Church. As a matter of fact, I would say to you, ladies and gentlemen, that we're living in a defining moment right now in Emmanuel. From the moment that Brother Steve tendered his resignation of your pastor until the calling of your new pastor to come and serve, this interim season is a defining moment for us. And what we do in this interim season not only impacts the present, it sets the table for the future of this congregation. And so this morning, I want us to look in Daniel. And 
want us to see how we as a church can be successful when defining moments come. When defining moments come to our individual life, when defining moments come to our family, when defining moments come to our church, how can you and I be successful in the midst of defining moments? So come with me, Daniel. We're going to examine the setting of this passage, this story uh, that we examined this morning. And the setting for this story begins in chapter 2, verse 48. Chapter 2, verse 48. Then the king promoted Daniel and gave him many great gifts, and he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. And Daniel made a request to the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of the province of Babylon while Daniel was at the king's court. Now, here's the setting as we move into this powerful story about the defining moment. Daniel has been promoted over all of the administration of Babylon. He's gone to the king Nebuchadnezzar, and he said to Nebuchadnezzar, When I'm in your court, when I'm in your presence, can I place Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the administration of Babylon? The king gives his blessing, and we pick up in verse 1 of chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and its width 6 cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Now, most theologians believe that what Nebuchadnezzar has done is he's created a golden statue of himself. He's erected a golden statue of himself because he wants his subjects to worship him as their God. Verse 2. Then Nebuchadnezzar the king sent word to assemble the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, and the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the rulers of the provinces were assembled for the dedication of the image that Nebuchadnezzar the king had set up, and they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, To you the command is given, O peoples, nations, and men of every language, that at the moment you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. The word worship there, ladies and gentlemen, means to, to fall prostrate on the ground. It, it doesn't mean simply to bow your head in worship. It, it doesn't mean to bend your knee in worship. It, it literally means to be flat out prostrate before this golden image of King Nebuchadnezzar. It was the most solemn act of physical worship that a person can experience. And that that is the decree. That is the command. That is the order that's given. Let's see what happens. Verse 6. But whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. Therefore, at the time when all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, all the peoples, the nations, and men of every language fell down and worshipped the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. That 
study this morning. Nebuchadnezzar, a pagan king, a, a wicked king, has set up a golden image, a statue of himself. And setting up that statue, he's made a decree that when the music plays, everyone is not simply to bow their head in honor of the king. They're not simply to take a knee in, in an act of reverence before the king. They're, they're to prostrate themselves on the ground as an act of worship unto Nebuchadnezzar as their God. The music begins to play, and the text is very clear. When the text says, everyone, everyone who's gathered, falls and lies prostrate as an act of worship before Nebuchadnezzar as their God. That's the setting. And in that setting, I want you to see this morning that the certainty of defining moments. For every person living, every person gathered in this worship center this morning, there is coming a defining moment. We're about to see it in the lives of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We're about to see it later in the text in Daniel's life. We're going to turn in the New Testament and see it in the life of Jesus himself. But there's a certainty, ladies and gentlemen, you will reach a defining moment in your life. So the setting is, here's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're watching as everyone around them falls to worship a pagan king. And let's see what happens. Come back with me, if you will, to chapter 3, verse 8. For this reason, at the time, certain Chaldeans came forward and brought charges against the Jews. The, the two words, brought charges, are very graphic in the Hebrew language. It, it really means to eat pieces of flesh torn from a body. It's, it's a grotesque uh, imagery, if you will, but, but we have some southern colloquiums that are, that are very similar. Have you ever heard someone say, boy, he ripped him to shreds? It's the same idea. Have you ever heard someone say, boy, he tore him to pieces? That's the image that's here. It's a viciousness, these charges that are brought against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 9. They responded and said to Nebuchadnezzar the king, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every nation who hears the sound of the horn, the flute, the lyre, the trigon, the psaltery, and the bagpipe, and all kinds of music, is to fall down and worship the golden image. Verse 11, but whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into the midst of a furnace of blazing fire. There are certain Jews whom you appointed over the administration of the province of Babylon, namely Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have disregarded you. The word disregarded there means to, to refuse to listen. Literally, it means to ignore. You, you have three men who are over the province of Babylon, and they are ignoring you, king. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, the phrase literally means in the Hebrew, burning anger. Again, we, we have some copiums that, that we think of in the South. Boy, he's really seen, or he's bullying. That's the disposition of Nebuchadnezzar, verse 13. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and anger, gave orders to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, then these three men were brought before the king. Nebuchadnezzar responded and said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or 
looking for all the good on Daniel that we can find. He's a governmental official. Certainly there's some dirt to be discovered. But they come to the conclusion there's no dirt to be found on Daniel unless it has to do with the laws of his God. Verse 6. Then the commissioners and statutes came by agreement to the king and spoke to him as follows King Darius lived forever. All the commissioners of the kingdom, the prefects and the statutes, the high officials and the governors have consulted together, and the king should establish the statute and enforce an injunction that anyone who makes a petition to any god or man besides you or king for 30 days shall be cast into the lion's head. And that's what they're saying. Anyone who prays to any god for the next 30 days shall be cast in the lion's head, verse 8. Now, the king established the injunction and signed the document so that it may not be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which may not be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document that is the injunction. Now, here comes the defining moment. Don't miss this. The defining moment in Daniel's life. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, Daniel is not in the dark. Daniel is not ignorant of what's unfolding. Daniel understands that Darius the king has signed a command that if anyone prays to any god for the next 30 days other than Darius himself, he shall be cast in the lion's head. It is a defining moment for Daniel. The decision that he makes and the action that he takes in that moment will not only determine the present, let me show you one other example. This one from the New Testament. Come with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. This is concept of finding moments that just replete throughout Scripture. Chapter 26, look with me, verse 36. Chapter 26 and verse 36. Let's see a defining moment in the life of Jesus. Then Jesus came with them to a place called Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and cry. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and began to be grieved and distressed. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Verse 39, here it is. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And at that point in the sentence, it's a defining moment. Jesus is in the garden at Gethsemane. He's alone in prayer. He's agonizing in prayer. The Gospels tell us that he is praying so fervently that, that there is perspiration like great sweat drops of blood coming from his skin. He is in agony. He knows the cross is before him. And so he prays, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. And when the comma appears in the English text, it's a defining moment for Jesus. The decision he makes, the action he takes in that very moment, mid-sentence in that prayer, will determine not only the present, but will impact the future for all of the human race. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I've shared with you that we're in a defining moment here 
Let's think about our history. Let me take you back to another defining moment in the life of our church. Next slide, fellas. You, you can't really see that article very well, and I apologize for that. But if you could see it up close, that is a picture of the first worship facility built by Emmanuel Baptist Church. I so enjoyed reading the article this, this week about how in September of 1950, any of you here in September of 1950, I'm just curious. Anyone? Well, let me tell you the story. September 1950. 35 people came together and said there needs to be a Baptist church in this community, this sector of Raleigh. So they began to meet in what was called the hut at that time. It was kind of a community building, as I understand it, and they worshiped there for a season. But then they began to receive some assistance and to start that brand new evangelical work, that Baptist congregation known as Emmanuel. And so the Baptist State Convention of North Carolina gave every bit of $1,780 over three years, beginning in 1950, for the establishment of Emanuel Baptist Church. And the Raleigh Baptist Association gave $1,000 for the purchase of property. And the First Baptist Church of Raleigh gave $1,500 to help birth that new congregation. What I want you to hear me say is, ladies and gentlemen, we look back to our founding and we find 35 courageous Baptists who were facing a defining moment in their lives. What they would do in September of 1950 would not only impact the present in the spiritual climate of this community, it would help set the course for the future. No one's We owe a lot of our heritage, the bravery and the courage of those 35 men and women. But I would say to you what I said a moment ago you and I are now living in a defining moment in the life of Emmanuel Baptist Church. You see, defining moments are not simply when congregations are birthed and not simply when new buildings are built, though those are certainly defining moments. But it's the season where we're in transition between one pastor to the next pastor. This is a defining moment for us. And what we do in this interim season will impact our present, but oh, it will go so far in determining the future ministry and vitality of this congregation for years to come. We're living in a tiny moment. So how can we have success when defining moments come? That's really the question this morning. We, we peek into the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and, and we find some secrets to their success. We look into the life of Daniel, and listen, we find the same secrets to their success. We look into the life of Jesus, and once again, we find a pattern of the secrets to success in deciding moments. Come back with me to Daniel, to those early chapters, and let's see the secret to this defining moment in the life of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Come with me. Chapter 3 of Daniel, verse 16. Chapter 3 of Daniel, verse 16. They've come to that defining moment. Nebuchadnezzar has said to them, you're going to be cast into the fiery furnace if you don't, if you don't fall and worship at the sound of the music. Verse 16 is what we picked up. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. And that's what they're saying, Nebuchadnezzar, we, we don't even need to think about this. We don't have to make this a matter of prayer. We know exactly what we're going to do in this defining moment. Look what they did. Verse 17. They remember their relationship. Verse 17. If it be so, our God. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if you're taking notes, you, you need to circle that innocent little pronoun our. It, it's almost easy to slip past that small little pronoun, but it is so profound in that verse of Scripture. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in that defining moment, they focus, they remember their relationship with God. Our God. Those of you who are who are grammar Nazis know that the pronoun our is possessive. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are so focused on their relationship with God, they don't speak of a God who is distant. They don't speak of a God who is separated from the heavens to the earth. They don't speak of a God who has been sculpted into gold and set up on the plain for everyone to worship. They speak of plural possessive our God. They speak of intimacy and relationship personally with the God of heaven. Our God. Ladies and gentlemen, the first step toward being successful in defining moment, remember your relationship. God is yours and you are his. He's your father and you're his child. There's an intimacy there. There's a warmth there. There's a relationship so look what else they focus on. They don't just simply focus on the relationship, they also focus on responsibility. And then we'll go and see how this is mimicked by Daniel and mimicked by Jesus. Look what you will verse 17. If it be so, our God, whom we put the word church, so. In that defining moment, they knew they still had a responsibility. God was there. They were in an intimate relationship with God. And it was their responsibility, regardless of what happened in life, to serve them. The word serve this year there is a word that can literally be translated worship. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, in that defining moment, said, we're going to focus on our intimacy with God. He's our Father. We're His children. He loves us. We love Him. And no matter what happens... We're going to worship our God. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, let's see this replicated in Daniel's life. Come with me to Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6. These same two keys to success in the final moments we see in Daniel's life. Look with me, chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house. Now, in his roof chamber, he had a window open toward Jerusalem, and he continued to kneel on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks. So, Daniel knows that if he prays during the next 30 days, he's going to be cast into the lion's den. So, he goes up on his rooftop, he has a window that opens, so everyone can look through the window and see him pray and hear him pray. And the Bible says, regardless of the threat of Darius, that Daniel gets on his knees as he had always done in 
and began to pray, not once, not twice, but three times a day. Now, why can he have such courage? Why can he have such boldness under such a severe threat of losing his life? Come back and look at the secret to his success in the fighting moment. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house now in his room chamber. He had windows open toward Jerusalem. He continued kneeling on his knees three times a day, praying and giving thanks before what the word church is God. Not kneeling and giving thanks to the God of heaven, not kneeling and giving thanks to the Creator God, no, kneeling and giving thanks to his. He's focused on his relationship. He's focused on the fact that God is his father and he is God's child. His God. In the midst of being focused on his God, we repeat through the window, and here's what we see. We see Daniel on his knees in worship and prayer before his He's focused on the relationship, and he's focused on the responsibility to worship the Lord. Now, let's see, let's just see this in one other life. Come back with me to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. We see this in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 39. And he, Jesus, went a little beyond them and fell on his face and prayed, saying, What's the word, church? My Father. You see the focus on the relationship? My Father. Not some distant, faraway God. My Father. Focus on the relationship. And now look what else he's focused on. And he went a little beyond him and fell on his face and prayed, saying, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Defining moment. Then the next phrase, Yet not as I will, but as you will. He's focused on his responsibility. Jesus knew that he came to do the will of the Father, that he was sent from heaven to accomplish the will of God. And so in that defining moment, he, he speaks of his father, my father, there's that relationship, and then he ends that prayer by saying, he ends that defining moment by saying, but not my will, but your will be done. You sent me to accomplish your will. That's my responsibility. Your will be done. My friend, I'm here to tell you, based on the authority of God's word, you will face defining moments in your life. Some will be defining moments filled with happiness and joy. Some will be defining moments filled with stress and anxiety and heartache. But in the midst of a defining moment, whether it's happy or whether it's sad, in the midst of your defining moment, you will only be successful if you focus on your relationship. Keep your God. Your and if you'll focus on your responsibility, that whether life is filled with happiness and joy, or life is filled with heartache and sorrow, you have a responsibility 
to worship the Lord and serve the Lord and do the will of God. Think with me about these events now coming up. Next slide. We have an opportunity to finish this interim season strong. We have an opportunity to, to race toward the coming of our new pastor in the days ahead. We're, we're not sure when he'll arrive, but we have an opportunity as a church to race toward that day. If we focus on our relationship, he is our master. We are his servants. He is our king. We are his subjects. He is our father. We are his children. If we will focus on that relationship and then focus on our responsibility, what responsibility do we have in these events to serve our community and to meet the needs of hurting people in Raleigh? What responsibility do we have in the next slide? What responsibility do we have for that community block party to be engaged so that in that event we can not only share the gospel during that block party, but to invite people to join us for Easter Sunday where we will clearly communicate the life-transforming message of Jesus. What responsibility do we have last slide? In that thank you all, In a defining moment, like we find ourselves in a manual, waiting for the coming of our new pastor, will we focus on our relationship with God and our responsibility to worship and serve Him in the day's Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Every head bowed, a message to the brothers and sisters in Christ at Emmanuel. Focusing on our responsibility to serve the Lord in our relationship with God our Father. Maybe you're here this morning, and as I spoke of He is our Father and we're His child, you, you don't understand that relationship because you've never trusted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never experienced intimacy with God. God does seem to be distant to you. He, he does seem to be a God who's captured on the pages of Scripture, but not active in your life, old friend. You can begin an intimate relationship with Him this morning through faith in His Son who died for you. Would you be willing to come this morning and just say to me, Chuck, I, I don't understand it all, but I desire intimacy with God. It would be my pleasure to sit down and show you how you can step into a relationship that grows more intimate with God every single day through faith in Christ. Maybe your church membership is somewhere else and God is leading you to be a part of this church family. Would, would you just come even in this interim season as we await the coming of our new pastor and just say, my family and I, we want to settle here in worship and service. Maybe you need to come to this altar for some reason and pray today. Father, I pray that your people will hear your voice, that they will respond that in this moment we will focus on our relationship with you and our responsibility to worship and serve you in those defining moments of life. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to Dr. Chuck Register, Interim Pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
For more information and free access to other messages, visit us on the web at ebcraleigh.com.